It's good to see your faces, masked and or unmasked. And uh, can we just agree that this is all just kind of weird? You know? Okay, so now that we've got that out of the way, let's just go on, right? This is just kind of weird, and it's going to be weird until it's not weird anymore. So now, uh, for those of you watching online, you can't see the screen, but it's got the sermon title up there, which is Hearing Voices. And so lest you think that uh, my sermon is an indication of some sort of mental illness, let me reassure you it will make sense as we move along here this morning, I promise. Here's a couple of Hearing Voices illustrations to kick things off. There's Animal, the Muppet character, says, I hear voices and they don't like you. And I know you can't read what's on the, the, there's the the couch there, the psychologist talking to the person on the couch and says to the person on the couch, shut off your cell phone, GPS, iPod and Bluetooth headset, and then let me know if you still hear voices. I think that's kind of something we could all learn from. I learned a new phrase this week, and I'm interested if any of you have ever heard this phrase yet. I've never heard this phrase before. This phrase is doom scrolling or doom surfing. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. I never heard it before either. Some people refer to it as doom surfing. I saw it in an article in Wired Magazine this week. It's something that's been especially prevalent over the last four months. That's because there has been, just in case you haven't noticed, there has been quite a bit of bad news in the news, right? The constant stream of news and social media uh, never ends. We have coronavirus deaths and infections. We have unemployment rates. We have the crashing economy. We have protesters in the street on any given day. We have racial unrest. The stream of news runs absolutely nonstop. And if you were a real sadist, or I guess it would be more like a masochist, if you were a masochist, you could watch it 24 hours a day. And you would definitely be doom scrolling or doom surfing at that point. We keep scrolling or clicking because it seems like maybe there's the promise of something better. Maybe there's an answer out there or some, even some good news. And it kind of feels maybe it's just one click away or the next story is going to be a good one. But you know what? It's not. Right now, people are living at a time with no easy solutions, a moment with a lot of conflicting facts in a rapidly changing landscape. Now, according to Nicole Ellison, who studies communication and social media at the University of Michigan School of Information, that means there is a lot of demand on cognitive processing to make sense of this. There's no overarching narrative that helps us. That, she adds, only compounds the stress and anxiety that they're already feeling. Now, let's be honest, stress and anxiety. Anyone here relate to that? I think so, a little bit at least if not a lot. Any of us have felt that stress as we consume the constant drumbeat of bad news every single day. You don't have to get all your news and information online to be the equivalent of a doom scroller. You just have to consume a lot of news, and news outlets are equal opportunity bad news bearers. You can watch Fox News or you can watch MSNBC, and they are absolutely polar opposites in terms of the perspectives that they will bring to any news story, but the news is still the same. The news is still all bad. The only difference is who is portrayed as the bad guys and the good guys. That depends on who you watch. You can get your news from Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Let me tell you, that's a big mistake. But you can, and a lot of people do. Or you can get it from your local 
<clears throat> newspaper or television station, but again, the news is all the same, it's all bad. Part of the problem is that as humans, we have this natural tendency to pay more attention to negative news. This, along with social media algorithms, makes doom scrolling and its impacts almost inevitable. Since the 1970s, we know of the mean world syndrome, the belief that the world is a more dangerous place to live in than it actually is. As a result of long-term exposure to violence-related content on television, so doom scrolling can lead to the same kinds of long-term effects on mental health unless we mount interventions that address users' behaviors and guide the design of social media platforms in ways that improve mental health and well-being. So I don't have anything to say about how we design social media platforms. I can't do anything about that anyway. There's nothing I can do about what and how the local news media or the national news media networks report on. Their output is going to remain the same regardless of what I do as long as people still watch. So if the output isn't going to change, I guess what's going to have to change is our input, right? What voices, whose voices will we major on? So there you go. It's not mental illness. We're hearing voices every day, all of us, right? To whom will we listen? I guess if there is one thing we could do to change how and what both online and broadcast media report on, it would be to quit watching, okay? Now that's because, surprise, you may not know this, the media is about making money. That's what they're, 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 they're not giving us news out of the kindness of their hearts. They, they think we need to know this. They're about making money. And if we don't watch, we don't see the advertisements that make them money. Okay, so, but to really change this, we'd have to have way more people than just us here in this room quit watching or quit scrolling or at least limit that to some degree. And also, here's the flip side of that. I don't want to just advocate we hide our heads in the sand and pretend that nothing of these things that we're seeing in our world, none of these things are happening in our world or our nation. I do think we have a responsibility to be well-informed, okay? So I'm not just saying let's just cut it all out. We're in this world for a purpose. How can we be effective in this world if we have no idea what's going on in this world? We, we don't want to come across as clueless, right? Some of us do. We don't want to come across as clueless. We're in this world for a purpose. But again, in the midst of all this, we have to ask this question, to whom will we listen? What voices will we intentionally hear most clearly and most loudly? What voices will we prioritize and seek out even for our own perspective, for our own clarity? Well, here's a good place for us to start. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So how do we hear his voice? How can we avoid falling into this trap of doom scrolling, which I think any of us in here who are honest would admit we've done it at least a few times since March and all this stuff started. How can we get a clearer perspective on the spirit of the age that we're living in? Well, let's start here. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the word of God, that's our primary mind transformer and renewer. And it gives us a reset. And sometimes that's what we need after we're doom scrolling a little bit. We need a little bit of a reset. Remember what the University of Michigan communications expert said. We quoted that just a minute ago. She said, there's no overarching narrative that helps us. And she's talking about helps us in this constant bad news environment. But there is. But there is. There is an overarching narrative that helps us. We can find it in the Word of God. It's the salvation story and all the implications of the salvation story. For those of us who are in Christ, it's our story. Thanks be to God. It's the story of a creator whose sinful creatures rebelled, but this rebellion never caught our creator off guard. Because before the beginning of time, our creator had a plan and he had a purpose. And that purpose included our redemption from that sin that caused us to rebel. And whatever the world looks like at any given moment in history, even in this moment that we're living in history, God's plan will still prevail. His promises are still sure because He loves us. And He demonstrated that love so clearly through His Son, God the Son who suffered and died to save us from our sins. So when we consume the news, when we consume any aspect of our culture, not just news, but how about entertainment? The lens through which we view these things must be the lens, the God-given perspective of a renewed mind, renewed by the Holy Spirit, renewed by the Word of God. The Word of God brings us perspective, and it's just the opposite of doom scrolling. Doom scrolling gets us completely out of perspective because we read this and it just sinks us deeper and deeper into doom. That's why it's called doom scrolling. Now, the world wants us to conform to its image, to the spirit of the age, this time in history in which we live. And the world wants our allegiance more and more. It wants our loyalty. We see the world isn't even satisfied with our tolerance of sinful ideas and behaviors. There's no such thing anymore, my brothers and sisters, as live and let live. There's no more loving the sinner but hating the sin. We used to talk about that and that's how we, what we needed to do. But you know what? That's not good enough anymore. The world wants to conform us. It wants to mold us. It wants to shape us. It wants to squeeze us into the mold. Picture Picture something that you're pressing a mold into. What do you do? You push it down. You squeeze it into the mold so it fits into that mold. It wants to squeeze us into the mold so completely that we now start uh, seeing people insist that we even think like them. We're seeing that more and more. We're starting to see George Orwell's Thought Police from the dystopian novel 1984. Many of us read that back in our high school days. But Paul tells the Romans, and he tells us, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be shaped in your mind and in your spirit by the times we live in. As believers, we are to be non-conformists. And we're not talking primarily about 
external things like how we dress or um, what we eat, things like that, the cars we drive. We're talking about how we view the world, how we look at the world, and how that view shapes our behavior and our attitudes about everything. The idea here is that we should stop being molded by the spirit of the age, but we must undergo a deep inner change brought about by the Holy Spirit. That's the transformation that the Apostle Paul is talking about here as he writes this letter to the Romans. Rather than letting the world shape us, what voices will we listen to? Paul's just as clear about that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, and this is an ongoing thing. The renewing of your mind is something that begins when you come to Christ and ends in eternity. But again, this is an inner transformation, an inner change that impacts our thinking, our attitudes, and our behavior. So our refusal to conform to this world's values must go even deeper than just our behavior or customs and the everyday things about our lives. It has to change the way we think just as the world wants to change the way we think. It's that radical. It's that all-consuming. The word here is telling us, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, it's possible to avoid worldly customs, okay? And a lot of Christians have been known for that. Back in the day, you know, Christians didn't dance, right? Or Christians wore clothing that looked differently than other people or whatever, okay? But you can do that and still be proud or arrogant or covetous or selfish or stubborn. It's only when the Holy Spirit re-educates us, the Holy Spirit renews us and redirects our minds. That's the time that we are truly transformed. So we have to keep ourselves, and this is something that we do, in cooperation with what the Holy Spirit is doing. But we have to keep ourselves in a place where we can hear the right voices and think critically and soberly about the problematic voices, those voices that will subtly seek to conform our thinking to the ways of the world. Part of our problem here is the sheer volume of those voices that we hear every day. Did you know that statistically the average adult spends nearly 11 hours a day consuming media in one form or another. And that includes nearly, now this is the average adult. I don't know that we have too many average adults here at TCF, okay? So you might think, wow, really? I don't watch anywhere near five hours of television a day. But that's what it includes. It includes nearly five hours of television, but also includes a couple of hours a day on the radio, two to three more hours online through a smartphone or tablet or computer. Of course, it's not all news we're consuming. It's fact it's more entertainment than news. But the entertainment is still communicating a message. We are drowning in media. We have screens everywhere. Sometimes we tend to associate media consumption with youth, but actually, statistically, the more accurate picture is with age. Statistically, the older you are, the more media you consume. John Piper once tweeted, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. So let's be honest with ourselves this morning. And let's have a little bit of self-awareness. Think about it this way. The more time you spend with something, media, whatever, 
or someone, the more influence that something or someone has on the way you think. Now, to me, that statement shouldn't even be controversial. It's just kind of common sense, isn't it? If the voices we're hearing most of the time tell us this or that, where are we going to come down? Okay? So if the voices we're hearing most of the time tell us either explicitly or implicitly that homosexual behavior is a normal and acceptable lifestyle choice, that abortion is all about a woman's right to choose, then how much do those voices impact the way that we think about these issues? These are just two of the contentious issues in our culture that we could name. Now I say voices are explicit or implicit because we hear both. We hear implicit voices, but we hear explicit voices. Explicit voices about many issues you hear like in the news, for example, or in news commentary. You hear it in schools. Those are explicit voices. You hear explicit voices here. It's not subtle when we preach. We're preaching from the Word of God, and it's very explicit. You hear it in politics all the time. Now, sometimes those influential, explicit voices maybe aren't as compelling to us as believers, but sometimes they are depending on whose voice we're listening to. But what about those implicit voices? Now that would be in our entertainment, in our movies, in our television, our uh, music, even in novels that we read. We always encourage reading, but we have to even be careful about what we read. The sweeping change in attitude toward the cultural affirmation of homosexual behavior, as one example, has been driven largely by these kinds of implicit voices. You know, we have a Bible that's supposed to guide our thoughts and behavior. That's a significant part of what we're talking about here this morning. But just as we have a Bible, there was an article written in 1987 that actually became a book that became a, became a kind of Bible for the whole gay rights movement. It was an outline for what they wanted to accomplish in our culture. In this article, the authors wrote, and again, this was in 1987, so 33 years ago, the authors wrote, at least in the beginning, we are seeking public desensitization and nothing more. We do not need and cannot expect a full appreciation or understanding of homosexuality from the average American. You can forget about trying to persuade the masses that homosexuality is a good thing, but if you can only get them to think that it is just another thing, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. This is 33 years ago. Repeated exposure to anything can tend to make it feel routine and normal. What used to shock us has now become largely acceptable. That's been the goal of the whole LGBTQ XYZ agenda, and it's been largely achieved in our time. It has. And not just acceptability, but affirmation. These authors of the Agenda's Bible know this. If the world understands this kind of influence, this kind of power, we should understand it more and how it can be used for good or for ill. These writers of this uh, Gay Agenda Bible noted the large amount of TV time in the average American household. And they wrote, those hours open up a gateway into the private world of straits through which a Trojan horse might be passed. So far, gay Hollywood has provided our best covert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. On the whole, the impact has been encouraging. 
Well, that was in 1987 when they wrote that. I wonder what they would say about the impact now. One thing I've noted across all kinds of media is the new prevalence of foul language. You used to be able to depend on not hearing God's name used in vain on a regular broadcast television show or the F word or BS on those kind of programs. You'd have to have pay channels like HBO or you have to go to a movie theater to hear that kind of language. Not anymore. Not anymore. Primetime TV has loosened those restrictions and normalized foul language as if everybody talks that way. These are just meant to be examples, folks, of the kinds of voices that we hear in our daily life and the influence that those voices have on us, even those of us who are believers in Christ. I think we are fooling ourselves if we believe that we are invulnerable to these influences. Why else would Proverbs tell us in chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else? for it determines the course of your life. We have these admonitions and commands in Scripture because we are all subject to influences, both positive influences and negative influences. And because we are subject to influence in almost every area of our lives, we must choose daily what we're going to listen to, what voices we'll listen to, and what we will either reject or be cautious about or freely receive. Here's a definition of influence. The power to affect, control, or manipulate something or someone. The ability to change the development of fluctuating things such as conduct, thoughts, or decisions. Here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. By his craftiness, the enemy of our souls often uses the things of the world to deceive us, and that influence can definitely lead us astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, that influence can take a lot of different forms. It can even be people we choose as friends. Now, I want to be really careful here because I believe that Christians should befriend people who are not Christians. Even as Jason said just a moment ago, we are to be his witnesses. How can we be his witnesses if we just cut out a whole category? They're unbelievers. I can't have a friendship with them. So I want to be careful here. But I also think we have to be tremendously aware that who we hang with how we listen to their voices can have a huge impact on our thinking and our attitudes and our behavior unless our minds are being continually transformed by the Word of God. I think Christians need to have non-Christian friends because I believe that's how most of those non-Christian friends will come to Christ. I would guess if we were to poll people in this auditorium, we would find that uh, the, the vast majority of us came to Christ because somebody we knew, a friend, told us about Jesus. But I also think that we must be honest with and aware of ourselves and our weaknesses and our limitations. We will be influenced. The only question is whether we'll be subjecting ourselves primarily to good and godly influence 
or bad and evil influence. There is a balance we can find, folks. And if we find the right balance, I think we're in a much better position to obey Paul's command when he said, do not be conformed to this world. The influence we must be aware of can come through what we might consider as good sources, even good sources that we would think of, oh yeah, that's, that's a pretty good influence. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we're a little bit too undiscerning when we consume things just because somebody calls them Christian. Things like Christian books, music, movies, teaching. Just because someone calls it Christian, just because it's for sale at Mardell, doesn't mean it's necessarily good theology, doesn't mean it's necessarily good for our hearts. That's why discernment is a key skill to develop under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Paul addresses that here too in this passage that we read, didn't he? As we are transformed, he writes, we're able to discern God's perfect will. Another question that relates to this, what's our ultimate authority? Consider the source. You heard that phrase? Consider the source. What voices will you allow yourself to hear regularly? Is our authority what sounds good, what feels good, what looks good to us? Or is it the never-changing, living and active, sharper-than-a-double-edged sword word of God? We need to be like the Bereans. You know who the Bereans are? They're described in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So think about that. These are the apostles coming to them with the word of God. And the Bereans felt the need to vet what the apostles were saying, right? They searched the scriptures and they said, oh, hey, look, they're right. So they received the word with eagerness, but they searched the scriptures daily at the same time. When you hear a teacher or preacher on the radio or television or from this pulpit, when you read an email newsletter, when you listen to a podcast, when you read a Christian book or a magazine, be a Berean. I don't think we should ever abandon our critical thinking caps completely, even when we have a known and trusted source of teaching. If influence can be negative, even from supposedly good sources, clearly we live in a world where there are many negative influences that aren't good sources that can really lead us astray. Again, that's why we need to guard our hearts. That's why we are commanded, do not conform to this world. I realize that in some ways I'm treading on challenging terrain here, but let me say this, it's never just a movie. It's never just a song. It's never just a TV show, or we could go on and on. It's never just a Facebook post. It's never just a Twitter post. It's never just an Instagram post. We tend to take the attitude sometimes, hey, I'm going to just kick back and relax, and I'm going to enjoy this entertainment, or I'm going to learn about the news, or I'm going to watch this movie. And honestly, you know, I do that to some degree, okay? I enjoy movies or television sometimes, as a uh, form of relaxation. So I'm not being a legalist here, okay? I'm not saying you should never engage these kinds of things from our culture. I'm not saying never consume anything like this. I'm not saying never watch TV or go to the movies. We can't take a hide-our-heads-in-the-sand approach to pop culture, just like I mentioned a few moments ago. We can't do that with the news. 
because it's out there and it's everywhere. I do, however, think there are lines we shouldn't cross, but if you're waiting for me to give you the list of the lines you shouldn't cross, I'm not going to tell you that here this morning. What I am going to tell you is that when you consume media, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Discern the voices you hear. Consider the source, because there is a message in every movie, in every television show, in every song, and there's a perspective in every news story. Some messages are okay. Some messages are even good. And some are definitely not. But we should go into this consumption of popular culture, whether it's news or entertainment, with our eyes wide open. We should go into our consumption of movies and television and music with a discerning, even a critical perspective. Because if we don't, and we approach the media regularly without discernment, we will conform to the messages that are in the media. Maybe unconsciously, but we will conform. So, for example, when I go into a Star Trek TV show or a movie, I know full well, watching Star Trek, that an unbiblical, humanistic worldview is strongly at work in their storyline, okay? Even in the midst of some of the good things in the story, like some of the sacrifice that you see and some of the heroism. When I go into a Star Wars movie, I know full well that the force in Star Wars is pure pantheism, which is a very unbiblical idea. It's the agenda of the writers and producers to communicate these ideas. It gets me thinking, but I'm on guard spiritually as I consume these things. It doesn't conform me or shape me because I'm guarding my heart with discernment. So that's the key here, right? This discernment. I know that I'm being preached to, in a sense, even when I'm watching these movies, even when I'm watching these television shows. But I'm being a Berean. And I have a mind that's being transformed as it's being renewed. Influence is a very interesting topic to consider, especially as it relates to the media, which I believe is clearly the strongest source of influence in our culture today. How could we think otherwise? How can anything we consume that much not have an impact on what we think or what we do, unless, again, we're discerning and we guard our hearts? Movies and television and music and the Internet and social media, they influence the way we think. Can we just be honest about that? They have the potential to, at least. They influence the way we think. Things that were formerly considered sin are now okay, why? Because of the power of story, especially when it comes to movies and television and novels. The power of story and the long-term effect of seeing something presented in a certain way over a long period of time, it kind of wears you down. What we do when we watch a movie or a television show or even a news story is that we allow ourselves to see the world through someone else's eyes, through their perspective. We hear their voice, we see their perspective. Now, there certainly is a place for us to see and understand how someone else thinks about something. That's kind of important, actually, for us, because how can we relate to people unless we understand how they see the world? But there's also a danger, especially when we allow this seeing through someone else's eyes, someone else's worldview, so much and so often or without discernment. The whole idea of seeing the world through someone else's eyes is only enhanced in a movie theater. Now think about it. 
at least with TV, you can see there's other things in the room. You might even be able to see outside. But in a movie theater, it's all dark. The screen is right there in front of you. The movie theater experience is meant to be totally consuming. It's designed to be a total immersion experience. The huge screen, the massive sound, maybe the 3D on top of that. It's all there to help those of us watching absolutely lose ourselves in the story. The problem is that completely losing yourself in the story can be dangerous. Now, think about this too, with big screen, flat screen TVs, we can do some of this right at home, right? We can darken the room and all you see is the screen. You might have surround sound in your house. But the undiscerning believer in Christ can get sucked into such powerful and manipulative stories and images and walk away with ideas that are clearly unbiblical and even anti-Christian. Just a little bit of molding and shaping into the world's image. Just a little bit more conformed to the world. So this is a place where we must guard our hearts. But that's the challenge of the power of story, okay? Especially stories that are well told. Let's, we let our defenses down, right? Because the story's well told, the characters are compelling, maybe likable, and we, we just kind of consume this and we, we let our guard down. Just as each story must contain a bit of God's goodness, so each one is, without exception, marred and flecked with evil. These stories can't escape evil's corruption any more than any of us can live sin-free lives. Our stories aren't any better than we are. All of this makes stories, particularly movies, an inspiring and frightening art form. They reflect the goodness of God and his creation, while at the same time twist that goodness into something else. Cinema educates, inspires, tempts, and corrupts, sometimes within the confines of the same 99-minute film. And sometimes it can be awfully hard to tell while you're swept up in the story when you're being moved by God or when you're being swayed by something else. Now, the world's influence has always been an issue for Christian. Paul wrote this, do not be conformed to this world, when there was no such thing as movies or television or social media. So Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when the only media available in the day, right, in Paul's day, was public speaking, art, I guess, was a kind of media, and handwritten documents. That's pretty much it. He wrote the same thing that we hear today from the scriptures. Do not be conformed. So Paul was, in effect, recognizing the power of social groups, the power of cultural norms, institutions, and traditions, to mold and influence patterns of individual behavior and attitude. I'm convinced that if many of the forms of media that we have today were around 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, he'd have them in mind too. Now the original language, however, also indicates that human responsibility is clearly involved, that the individual can accept or resist this influence, this conforming. We can acquiesce in, but we can resist in behavior shaping and molding. So ultimately, the idea here is stop allowing yourself to be conformed. Another way to phrase this is Christ-centered non-conformity. 
It's not nonconformity just for the sake of being different, but nonconformity for the sake of being transformed into holy followers of Jesus. Now, this is a hard thing because our flesh is naturally conformist, isn't it? We, 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 we don't want to be that different from people. I mean, some people do. <laughs> we can all think of those people who they just, they just thrive on being different. But most of us, we want to fit in, right? We want to fit in. That's why guarding our heart is absolutely critical. So I want to close with three ways that we can begin to do this. First of all, we want to keep our hearts full of the right things. The very purpose for Bible Bowl is to get our children into a lifelong habit of protecting their hearts by keeping it full of God's Word. And that's why this is the key verse for Bible Bowl, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. My brothers and sisters, this isn't just a verse for Bible Bowl kids. This is a verse for all of us. Secondly, keep it pure. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we can find movies where we can find some of those things. We can find some movies where it's just not uh, they're certainly not pure, they're not lovely, they're not admirable, they're not noble, they're certainly not right. Pure thinking requires me to pursue a close relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's pure and holy. and also requires me to allow the Holy Spirit to transform my heart. Purity comes from an outside source. I can't just clean up my act on my own. God's Word, God's Spirit will act together on my heart and cleanse it and fill it and control it and conform it to his image. Finally, keep it undivided. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Now again, we can't do this alone. It takes our cooperation with the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. It takes a willingness to learn the way God teaches and to walk in and obey the truth that he gives us. But by his grace, my brothers and sisters, we can succeed. We can succeed in guarding our hearts. We can succeed in not being conformed to this world. So the question is, for all of us here this morning, what's influencing you? What's shaping you? What's conforming you? Can you be honest with yourself today? What voices are you hearing? What voices are you listening to? Are you letting the world's influence mold you, shape you, squeeze you into its worldview? And then inevitably, once that worldview takes root in our hearts, it impacts our attitudes and our behaviors. Or are you doing what Paul said we should do? In the second part of Romans 12, too, are you putting yourself daily into position to be transformed by the renewing of your minds? Are you being conformed into the world's mold because of your lukewarm or unbelieving friends? Are they the ones who have the greatest impact on your life or your thinking? Or 
because you're sucked into the messages of our popular media culture, which is easy to do. You're teased by the attractiveness of that message, and you don't consider its fruit, and you don't consider its logical conclusions. Or are you being transformed by the renewing of your minds, daily yielding your body as a living sacrifice with an undivided heart, wholly devoted to Jesus as Lord of your life? Let's ask ourselves these questions this morning as we close, and let's respond as the Holy Spirit would prompt you to respond. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this very clear and very strong admonition to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We thank you, Father, that this is not something we have to attempt on our own, but Lord, your Holy Spirit will empower us to do this, and you've left us your word to give us great clarity on how to renew our minds in you, to renew our minds in Christ, so that we know exactly what you require of us, we know exactly how to uh, behave, we know the attitudes, we know uh, the, all these things, Father, that uh, shape us and mold us more and more each day into the image and likeness of Christ. We pray that you would build in each of our hearts the fruit of the Spirit. And Lord, that this would be part of what you would use to transform us. Lord, that we would think like you want us to think because you have transformed us by the renewing of our minds. Father, help us to resist the conforming of the world's influence in all those things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.